Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Courtney Peroso is an L.A.-based actor, writer, and comedian who traveled the world and the United States as the child of a military family. She co-wrote and appeared in Two Pink Doors, a series of five-minute shorts for FX, directed by Dr. Brown, and has appeared on screen in projects such as Jackass Forever, Vino 911, Key and & Peele, and Two Broke Girls. She's also a former member of the Groundling Sunday Company and Washington, D.C.'s Synatic Theater. After bringing her clown show Gutter Plum to the Edinburgh Fringe in 2019 for a sold-out run, she returned in 2023 with something even more ambitious, Vanessa 5000, a show about a sex robot gone rogue. Courtney sat down with me between shows to talk about her life and career. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! Courtney Paroso. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me into your fringe abode. Oh, yes. Thanks Thanks for coming to me through the rain. I appreciate it. Uh, Scotland in August. <laughs> I know. Beautiful, rainy August. So last things first, Courtney. Do blonde sex robots have more fun? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I know. I did consider, like, I was like, maybe I should, like, switch wigs throughout the show or whatever, but... It's just a blonde wig. I've always, I've had, I don't know where I got that wig from. I think I accidentally stole it from a friend of mine like years and years ago. And Mm -hmm. I grabbed it when I was like trying the bit for the first time, but I'm very attached to it now to the point where I don't want to buy a new one. It's so nasty. And I I just got it like washed and restyled before I came. So you didn't consider any others? I mean, I was like, oh, maybe it would be cool if I like switched hair in the middle at some point or whatever, but just didn't really, wasn't, right. didn't go there, you to know? To be a brunette or, yeah. or as they say over here, a ginger? A ginger, yeah. Like, I thought it would have been cool if she had like really dark, like straight hair, but then I kind of would have looked really goth mm-hmm. in a way. And so sometimes it just turns out how it turns out with what you have lying around right. for your costume. So this is not your first fringe. This is not my first fringe, no. Nor is it even your second. It's right? my third. Third. Yeah. So tell me, as a, an experienced pro of of the Edinburgh Fringe, how does this how does it compare? This fringe? Yeah. To to what you previously knew. The first time I came was in 2015 with mm. a friend of mine, a, sh- a friend of mine's show. Okay. Um, and so you were support. I was support. And mm-hmm. so it was very low pressure and like everything was figured out for me. And I just got to come and hang out with my friends. And I I drank a lot of pints. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was, I walked around Scotland a lot. I felt like a tourist. I mean, I did see shows, but I just wasn't like as clued in to everything that was happening probably. Okay. Uh, but it was so much fun and I loved it. And then I came back in 2019 with my first solo show, which was Gutter Plum. Did you feel like when you came here for your solo show that you knew what you were in for because you had been here before? A bit. I mean, it was helpful, but it's it's much more pressure when it's you. I was very nervous that time and I was like afraid to humiliate myself. And this time 
I kind of decided to go last minute because I was jealous of everyone else that was saying they were going. So I was like, I'm going to go too. And I hurried up and made a show. It's it's always like nerve wracking to, to come and mm-hmm. you're worried about sales. And you, it's such a long month of it's so hard to do a show every night just on your body. But I, I'm trying to be a little more... I'm trying to see more shows because I'm less nervous about my show where I'm just like, I want it to be good, but also I want to enjoy myself. Right. Yeah. Was Gutter Plum also through Stamptown? No, it was through Soho Theater okay. in London. I've heard um, of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so they, uh, they produced that show, which was awesome. Cause they, you know, really hooked it up. Right. Uh, Stamptown did a great job for me this year too. So, but I mean that just having, whether it's Soho or Stamptown, Produce as a producing partner mm-hmm. has to take a load of pressure off of you because oh yeah there's hundreds well there's thousands of shows hundreds mm-hmm. of comedy shows and so many people flyering yeah. so many people competing for your attention for your time the fact that you don't have to go out there yourself on a rainy Sunday right <laughs> no it's it's uh I'm very grateful for it and I when people are self producing their shows that's a whole other feat on top of the feat of doing a show. And right. um, I've seen a lot of good self-produced shows, so good for them. It feels like, and we just met personally. Yeah. I've seen you perform a few times, but it seems to me that both your personal and your professional life took kind of like the meandering roundabout path. Mm-hmm. Personally, you it's, is it safe to say you were an army brat? Yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a term that you identify with? Sure. Or? Totally. Totally. <laughs> I, I'm a, I moved 10 times before I graduated high school and so I'm a very classic army brat. Yeah. Do you feel like that encourages or, or pushes you into becoming an actress, even if that's not what you were thinking off the bat, because going to these new environments year after year, it's, forcing yourself to reintroduce yourself to strangers Mm -hmm. on a constant basis. But it also gives you the opportunity, if you wanted to, to change your personality because these people don't know who you are. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was kind of a shy kid and I am a little shy myself. I mean, I'm not like awkwardly shy, but I was very like observational i think as a kid like mm-hmm. my move whenever ta- whenever i moved was always to like kind of just like lay low and like figure out what the hell was going on and like what people were doing and then kind of pick my friends and, and all that okay so so yeah i mean i think it made me very flexible because i didn't even really think about it being weird that i was moving all the time my mom did a good job of making it seem cool and like making it fun and and helping us transition and I just didn't, you know, I, I was like, yeah, this is what I do. But I think it made me very flexible to new environments. And I think that probably is the thing that I feel stayed, stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what point did the acting bug really take hold, though? Uh, I was like one of those kids that always wanted to be an actress. Okay. I don't know. Like my grandma kind of implanted the idea in my head. And I was like, uh, so I never, it's kind of embarrassing to be one of those little girls, but I always, always like, yeah, I'm an actress. I'm going to be an actress. And I was doing plays and all that kind of stuff from the time I was really little. It was like finding comedy that was a discovery later on. Mm -hmm. You went to Tulane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you pick Tulane? Uh, I got a little scholarship. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I had auditioned for like some theater programs that I didn't get into, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I truly didn't think about it that much. I was I went to high school in Texas, so I was either going to go to UT 
or Tulane. I ended up getting the scholarship and I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. Didn't even really think about what it would be like to live in New Orleans. Like I was, I, I was 17. I was really young when I went to my first year of college too. So Most people are. Yeah. I was like, I was like seven. I just turned 17 or something. And so, so oh yeah. So you were young. even for Yeah. Freshman. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I loved it. I, it turned out to be really good for me. And I love New Orleans, so. Were there specific techniques that you learned acting-wise at Tulane that still stick with you? Yeah, totally. I had I had really good teachers there, um, and I did a lot of kind of physical theater, like Suzuki method. Okay. I had a teacher that did that with me. Do you, you know that, like... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not familiar <laughs> with the Suzuki okay. method. I, well, it's like uh, Suzuki method is like... Japanese like physical theater style and Suzuki. Do you know who Anne Bogart is? Like that theater person? No. Anyway, she did viewpoints. It's like Mm -hmm. very theater world stuff and they collaborated. But anyway, it's like kind of a physical theater training method where you do all kinds of weird stuff and like stomp around and um, it's all about like getting energy into your body. And so I'm doing a bad job of explaining it because it was so long ago now. But but certainly Vanessa 5000 has a lot of stomping Totally. I mean, it, it did introduce me to like physical theater, and then mm. I did physical theater in DC before right. I moved. I knew about that. Yeah, right. yeah, the yeah. Cinetic? Is that Cinetic? What yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not Jason Zinneman's mom. No, but I know her because my mother took her acting class in DC. My mom took classes. That's a fun fact. It's a really fun <laughs> fact. Yeah. So I do. I am familiar with the Zinnemans. <laughs> yes. So I was in the DC theater world for two years. So yeah. But, um, at studio theater. But that's physical theater. Did that include clowning or is that everything but the clown? It, I mean, cinetic, looking back, there were like clown elements. Mm-hmm. And even we we did like wordless Shakespeare productions. And in wordless Shakespeare Macbeth, I played the porter. And so I'm like, that was kind of clowny. And it was so weird that they like picked me to do that of all of all people. And I really liked it. Um, and I had done a clown class at a, I did this program when I was like 19 at Michael Howard Studios in New York. Okay. And I took a clown class as one of my many classes there. And I remember loving it and I had no idea what it, what it was and I didn't do it again for years, but it was my favorite class. Okay. It was very mysterious. But then you head out to Los Angeles. Yeah. And you weren't expecting to join the Groundlings, but... It was kind of fortuitous. It was, right? yeah. Yeah, I I ended up living right off of Melrose, and I wanted to take classes and started doing that, and I liked it way more than I expected. Because um, it kind of, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, especially then, was, like, pretty shy. But if you're like, okay, you have to get on stage. I was always, like, the last student to get up. Mm-hmm. I would, like, find myself saving myself. And I was like, oh, shit, I guess I'm a little funny, you know. Did you find yourself... Leaning more improv or sketch at that point? I mean, at Groundlings, you always start doing improv and then you start writing. But I do think that once I started writing for myself, that's when something really clicked. Yeah. Of course, the other thing that most lay people know about the Groundlings is that there's a pipeline to Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Or or if not that, something crazy like P.B. Herman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul Rubin's Rest in Peace. Yes. Um, Did that... Did you know about that when you went in the, the building for the first time? And how much did that appeal to you or put pressure on you once you started? I knew at about the it. I knew about it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and I 
because I started seeing sh- a lot of shows there my first year or two in LA and I was like, wow, I really liked what everyone was doing. And then you see all the pictures on the walls and right. all this stuff, but it wasn't something that like I knew really about before I moved to LA or was, you know, I didn't even see myself as a comedian. So, right. uh, so I wasn't, uh, so hooked into that. And then I weirdly due to a secretarial error, moved through the program really fast. <laughs> So, like, I was already, like, through No, it, it was your skills. No, no, no. I really, I skipped a line. I skipped a line. I didn't do a waiting list for mm-hmm. my, like, writing class or whatever that you normally have to wait a year for. So, basically, I was kind of, like, already in it by the time I realized, like, what it all meant. Okay. Um, and then I cared, you know? And then I was like, oh, wait, everyone's getting SNL auditions, and oh, my God. And right. I remember distinctly when Nassim Padrad got mm-hmm. SNL. Yeah. It was, like, even more of a big deal because she was from the Sunday company. Right. She wasn't even in the main company. She was in mm. the Sunday company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, what? Yes, yeah. How is that possible? And it was kind of like a mini scandal in the L.A. comedy community, right? I, they, I mean, there's always mini scandals. <laughs> well, but I mean, you, you had yeah. only been there. You had just started. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. So. No, it, and it was exciting watching people be like, I saw that person. I was going to those shows. I was walking down the street and there they are. You mm-hmm. know, it seemed, it didn't make things seem possible, you know, that were mm-hmm. really exciting. Right. Um, as Dylan Woodley would say, as Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you, I know there's a character reel that you put out 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Do, have you, have you auditioned for Saturday Night Live? I've only done like the first round. Okay. I never, that's when they come and actually visit you at the yeah, Groundlings. Right? I never, I never tested. I, I didn't do it at the Groundlings. I did it somewhere else. And UCB? I think I just did one right. year. I think it was at the old IO. In, oh, okay. In LA. Like I, I was invited to do one of those like first round showcases, yeah, yeah. but that's it. Where Lauren's not even there, but it's the, yeah, casting Lauren's not department. even there. Yeah. 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 So, so when you made that character reel, that was, was that during a, there was, I seem to recall there was a period where everybody was uploading character reels, but half of them weren't actual SNL auditions. Yeah, they were just doing it to have them up there. Yeah, well, they were saying it's my SNL reel. But, yeah, yeah. But they never actually went through the process. They were just, I don't know if they were trying to fake out NBC or if they were trying to fake out us as viewers. But I mean, I think maybe people were, I knew people that were posting ones that they had made and sent to SNL, but hadn't gone anywhere, you right. know, like, cause it was like their first round tapes. And right, it was because big... you could be asked to make one yes. and send it in. Yes, yes. But then there were other people who were doing it either as a joke yeah. or they were doing it hoping that right. it would get noticed. Yes, yes, Which, yes. what was the form that yours took? I mean, mine was a complete joke. I think that right. was after... I had auditioned for them. Maybe I, I don't. I don't know. Like right, you were, I wasn't. It was intent- a sad. It was a sad. It was a parody. Yeah, it was, it was an par- essence an SNL sketch about SNL. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had made in previous years like ones that were like I was actually trying to do one and mm-hmm. sent it in and wouldn't have ever posted that during like the summers when that was like a whole thing in the world that I was in. Like mm-hmm. oh, I have to make my SNL tape. I have to make my SNL tape. Everyone was, you know, it, ma- it made me laugh so hard. Like the stress of it all. And, you know, up for myself, too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I thought it would be funny to have a meltdown <laughs> during it. <laughs> and to- use all my stupid costumes. Right. Mm-hmm. So w- at the point that you made the tape, had you pretty much set aside any hopes of doing that? If, if you even had the hopes? Yeah, I mean, maybe not fully set aside. I was not 
like growing up, like that's never where I saw myself. Once I was in the mix of that, I was like, oh yeah, that would be cool. Like I wish they would ask me to audition, mm-hmm. but um, it I wasn't like deeply disappointed that I sure. wasn't. And then yeah, like it, I wasn't worried about that ruining my actual chances or anything. You so know? what so. were you envisioning yourself? For, uh, like as a kid? Yeah, if you weren't if you weren't picturing SNL. What were you picturing? Was it movies? Was it sitcoms? Was it both? Was it... I don't really know. I mean, I I just knew I wanted to be an actress. Mm-hmm. So at different points, probably envisioned different things for myself. Right. But I think when I was like younger, like when I had first started theater school, I was like, I'm going to be a serious actress. Okay. So it wasn't like you were, you were imagining, oh, I'm going to be in progressive insurance commercials for years and years and years. No, but <laughs> damn, I'd love to do that now. <laughs> That's my segue to, to when was the first time you met Natalie Palomides? Um, I met her. I met her actually at an audition where she had seen that reel and I hadn't met her yet. And so she was like, Courtney, Courtney. And I was like, fuck, like, I don't remember. I don't know this person's <laughs> name. And then, you know, I realized that she, she just like had complimented me on my video. And right. I was actually in a weird mood and I had like run out of the audition. Anyway, that's where we actually met. Do you remember what the audition was for? It was for, a, it was a salt commercial. <laughs> I don't know why you need to advertise salts, but I swear to God, it was a salt commercial. <laughs> I mean, there are many brands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, neither of us got it. Okay. And, and then I started to see her perform and I thought she was amazing. And yeah, we, I, so we were acquaintances for a while and mm-hmm. then became friends eventually. But she was the one who lured you into the the cult of Philip Burgers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she she let me know about his class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so and I started doing that after Right. So at this point you meet Natalie, you see her show, you're intrigued by it. She mm-hmm. tells you more. What were your preconceptions of clowning at that point? You know, my only real experience with it was this class that I had taken over the summer, mm-hmm. you know, however many years ago that had been at that point. Right. But, and I was at a kind of like a low point personally, or I had been experiencing a lot of stage fright and not really knowing what to do after Groundlings because, you know, I got such good training there, but it's like they do a certain thing and it fits in a certain context, you know? Right. So when people are like, well, come do a show, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I just go up in the middle, you know? Like, and so, so that really freed me up and, uh, it helped me unlock like a new way to perform using skills I'd already attained. And on also, I think I was myself like leaning towards some clowny stuff. Like that's what I wanted to do at Groundlink. So it kind of helped me be like, oh yeah, you can just do that. Right. You know? Did you know Phil at all or his work or Dr. Brown? Had you mm-hmm. heard of any of that? No, but I, I mean, his class was really, um, huge for me. Like it, it really changed my life. Um, yeah. Well, tell me more. I mean, he was, I, I, he was, it's just, he's an amazing. Before you were, you were living in a, in a converted motel room with a, <laughs> The kitchen, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kitchen is the bathroom. Yeah, right. Um, and now... Well, you know what he he said to me? Like, I remember taking his class, and mm-hmm. it's so mysterious, Like, I, I, which I like about clown. Like, you don't really get an explanation of, like, how you're supposed to do it, or it's this, this, and this. Like, you're thrown into nothingness. You're like, get, get your ass on stage and fucking do something, mm-hmm. you know? And so... Um, 
so so that's was really like fascinating to mm-hmm. me but eventually when i started you know everyone fails in a clown class but i I felt like I was getting it to some degree, like I and I was very excited by it, and I was like, "This is for me." Um, I remember Phil saying, like, in one of the classes, like when I was like doing well, he was like, "Look at her, she's so broken, you know, she's so broken. We love her, you know." And I kind of like connected to that because I had felt like such a failure in my life, like it was so, you know. I had, I had a, it was a weird time for me, but I think like it helped me connect that like once you're so broke and you don't mm-hmm. give a shit anymore, like you're actually so free and it's really powerful. Or and I I latched onto that. <laughs> Is that what makes you uh, gutsy? Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your last name is Italian, mm-hmm. and it means scary. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Did do you feel like that implicitly or explicitly? informs your clown personality i think it's really a funny coincidence because Mm -hmm. it it can mean scary or scared Mm -hmm. or like coward it can it's i mean i don't really know italian but apparently it can kind of mean creepy Mm -hmm. or fearsome or fearful or it has various meanings but the root word is fear and yeah i i think that's really interesting and it does I think that is a big part of what I do, whether uh, it's intentional or conscious or not. <laughs> well, what kind of what kind of fear do you want to strike in the hearts of your audience? Is it is it a scary fear or is it more like a roller coaster ride kind of hmm. fear? Um, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. I mean, for me, I'm like I'm fa- I'm scared. I'm mm-hmm. scared to do this, you know, and then. I have to flip it and be the scary one, you know? But yeah, like, I guess I just want to, yeah, the, the roller coaster thing adds up, adds up to me, you know, I like doing sharp turns. So I think that's fun to like lure the audience in with something and then switch it up. And so that they don't know what to expect. Right. And that can hopefully if it works, be a little, you know, scary in a fun way (laughs) or electrifying if I'm lucky. When you started Forming Vanessa 5000. Uh-huh. I mean, we spoke briefly earlier this summer when you were bringing it through New York City, mm-hmm. and you were talking about how you were still, like, frantically workshopping parts of it. Yeah. Uh, did you... Did Was it intentional or coincidental or uh, just happy circumstance that this show has become, dare I say, timely? Yeah, it was a coincidence, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I had I had been working on the physicality of a robot for years. Mm-hmm. Like I have like old Instagram videos from a long time ago of me like bopping around because that just the physical play of it was really appealing to me. And I had even done a bit as a robot a couple times, like years ago when I was developing my last show, but it, it got scrapped. And then, yeah, that was like for the past year and a half, that's really all that I wanted to work on, whether it be focus or laziness. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was like, this is what I'm working on the robot. And, and yeah, I think the conversation around AI and, you know, all that stuff gave me a lot to play off of. There's late stage capitalism. Totally. I mean, that's kind of, there's the Barbie movie somehow feels relevant to this. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think it it was a it was a lucky coincidence, mm-hmm. but also you know, I think it helps to do the show that all these ideas are kind of with everybody there, and so I only need to kind of reference them for them to uh, hopefully evoke some feeling mm-hmm. out of the audience or some opinion or or something, because we're surrounded by technology and advertising and blah blah blah, blah you know and. It feels like we're being told all the time that we're on the precipice of some huge shift, and perhaps we are, you know? Right. So. Well, I mean, I wrote, I wrote this in my review, but I mean, there's, there's, clown sh- there's clown shows. You think of a clown show, you think of the circus, you think <laughs> of, um, you know, funny audience interactions. You don't often think that there's going to be some, like, uh, subtle or not so subtle like <laughs> revelations and like deep messages or even uh exquisite guitar work <laughs> exquisite eh? <laughs> poignant poignant oh, yeah, thank maybe you. poignant yeah my my very um low level bass skills but i tr- i try you know but but that's good for clowns to not be so good at your skill actually sure yeah yeah it plays into that yeah when was when did you first pick up the guitar uh, pan- it, pandemic, yeah. Because okay. now I was learning guitar, and I was like, well, maybe we'll start a band one day. And so I was like, I'll play bass. And then I dated two bass players in a row. Ooh. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, it was like a fun little, I mean, I'm not great at it, but I, I enjoy it. So I... That we, comes across. Oh, good, 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 yeah. good. So where do you see Vanessa 5000 going from here? I don't know. I... I mean, I'm honestly just trying to get through this month and see what happens because I just have to do what's in front of me. But I mm-hmm. think I, I am glad that some people are connecting with it. And it makes me really happy to see that you see that there maybe is a bit more depth underneath it or that I think there is the potential to sort of not address, but to... God, what's the word? I'm just glad that that there is a bit of a deeper meaning or deeper feeling that's coming through because I am definitely scared of the future and and I feel like that's kind of what's like makes it fun for me to play mm-hmm. with these these kind of robot games, I guess. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it is in your name to be scared. So. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, I mean, you know, Natalie was able to turn one of her mm-hmm. fringe shows into a special, mm-hmm. uh, and it takes a lot of work, but also a lot of thought in how you adapt the stage right. show. Would you, would you want to turn Vanessa 5000 into something that people can watch in their homes or on their mobile phones or, I mean, sure. I, or I, watch via their own robots. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait. Now, now, now I'm like, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely open to it. Mm-hmm. I always uh, use licensed music in my shows, oh. which is uh, oopsie for for take, making it into something for recording. Bigger. Yeah, if yeah. You're record it. So yeah. I'd, I'd have to like, you know, somebody somebody's got to buy it and pay for my Nine Inch Nails songs. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think it could be cool to do it like on a bigger scale with like really good tech would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, we'll see what life has in store for me. You know. 
if I catch up with you in, say, 10 years, mm-hmm. do you think you'll still be clowning? Um, I, I hope so. I mean, I've seen so many really good clown shows, this fringe, that have been really inspiring to me that are very, very simple, pure clowning. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia Mosley show. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen her yet. I um, saw her last year. Okay, yeah, she has a new show called Ha 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 Ha. Okay. Ha, ha. <laughs> um, and I thought I thought it was fucking stunning and beautiful. And and then I just saw this show last night. It's called Furioso. His name is Piotr. Okay. We were he's Polish, and we were in a clown class together. And oh. it's very simple, very pure clowning. And. Mm-hmm. I think this show is like kind of tech and it's very verbal. It's more verbal. Like there's clown elements, but I do think it's a bit of a hybrid or, you know, who's, I don't know if it would pass the clown test or whatever. Right. Who gives a shit. But anyway, when I see things like that, I'm like that, I want to do something like that next actually. That's like so simple and that you could do anywhere. And I say that as, you know, like, I'm I'm 38. I like want to have a family so bad. So I'm like I gotta get on that like ASAP, you know. But I think that when I see these like beautiful pure clowns mm-hmm. or whatever that like really remind me what it is that us clowns are supposed to do. I'm like yeah, I gotta do. I gotta try to be doing that forever. True, but if you don't <laughs> have babies, where will the future clowns come from? I know. I'm saying I want to have babies. I want to make new clown babies. Where do I mean? Where do you think clowns come from? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, clown mamas. Yeah, no, no. So I want to. I want to be able. I think I can see both of those things that I want existing in the mm-hmm. future. Is what I mean. Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, we may both be scared of the future, but uh, presently, I had a great time talking with you, and your show is fantastic. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming, and I'm I'm glad you liked it. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbird Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.